Welcome to the SLS Discovery Author Insights Podcast. So today we welcome back Davide Jarni from AstraZeneca. So Davide is currently Senior Director in the Functional Genomics Group at AstraZeneca based in Cambridge in the UK. So welcome back to the podcast, Davide. Thank you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So I lead a group at AstraZeneca that focuses on target identification and validation. We use technology like pooled and array people screening mm-hmm. to help one of, I guess, what people define the most important decision target discovery, which is the selection of novel targets. Yeah. And I'm privileged to work with a group of really talented individuals that help me with that. Great. And what we're talking about today is the protocol paper that you've just published in SLAS Discovery. The paper's titled A Multiparametric High Throughput Assay for Detecting Beta Cell Proliferation in Dispersed Primary Islets. Um, so it's interesting. The protocols are a new area for the journal. I'm personally very excited to talk to you about this today. So can you tell us more about this and why you wanted to publish as a protocol rather than a regular journal article? Uh, because I think uh, there is a lot in the, in the discovery and in the work that's been done here that is probably more appropriate to divulge in more detailed with more granularity. And I think the other whole paper allows you to do that. Mm. It's really a technological advancement, I think, with a protocol paper both needs who did all the work here. And I thought that was best to deliver the main message here. That's uh, really, it's really interesting. It's, it is incredibly detailed all the way down to the precise volumes of reagents, the precise catalog numbers, which is fantastic. I'm sure it helps anyone who wants to then try and reproduce this assay. Was there anything particularly unique about this assay compared to other ones that have been out there previously? The uniqueness, I think, of the assay comes from the fact that it's a multi-parametric assay. Mm. assay that allows you to capture different endpoints, not just, not just a single one. It's an ex vivo protocol. These are essentially islets, beta islets that are extracted from um, rat pancreases. So there is, there is a lot of physiological relevance, I guess, in the, in the protocol. And last but not least, it allows you essentially to capture the proliferation not only of beta cells, but also of uh, um, cells that are in the pancreas that are not beta cells, so they're not insulin-producing produ- uh, cells. And this is very important because I think in the field, at the moment, you have assays that allow you to read on toxicity of compounds. You have assays that allow you to read on efficacy of compounds. Mm-hmm. So far, to my knowledge, you don't have assays in a single shot that allow you to capture both efficacy of ability to induce proliferation of beta cells and toxicity uh, read as ability to uh, modulate the proliferation of cells that are not insulin producing. And I guess one of the key features around this assay is that it's on a it's in a two D format rather than three D format. Why was that chosen, and what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of it? I'm a big believer that we need to move into more translatable models, and the, the more that the recapitulate disease in a more um, relevant way. However, in my opinion, not always complexity is directly proportional with the translatability. Mm. There are situations like, for example, in this one, where um, there was an opportunity to, in a 2D setting, still preserve a disease-relevant phenotype, which is insulin production. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we were able to use the simplicity of the model, of the 2D, 2D model, 
combine it with um, high throughput measurements, and that allowed nicely positioned, I guess, these, these assay in a, in a screening cascade that allows you then to move from simplicity to complexity. That's why 2D in this case was preferred. Okay, and that's really interesting. And I guess even the rest of the team have described the protocol in sort of exquisite detail. What was the assay then used for? The assay has been used to measure the ability of compounds to affect the proliferation of beta cells. This is important specifically because, as I mentioned before, um, these measurements were done um, from ex vivo mm-hmm. rat beta cells. Um, as is described in the paper, the formation of these beta cells is, is difficult to um, recapitulate in a, in a 384 well plate. If you're in vivo, these beta cells only represent 1% of the total pancreas. So being able to recapitulate this in a, in a, in a multi-tider plate um, was a real su- success for me and the team. Great. And hopefully it's been the foundation of a, an ongoing project to uh, find some modulators. Absolutely. That's where, what, what the field needs in order to be able to, uh, as, as a therapeutic treatment for type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Great. So I guess we mentioned earlier that this is a protocol rather than a regular journal article. I mean, from, you know, from the author's point of view, what was different between writing it as a protocol versus a regular article? It was really important, as you said before, to collect all the relevant information to be able to, to, to write a protocol paper, going back to batch number, to hours of treatment, specific composition of buffer used to do the extraction of the, of the beta cells um, from rat pancreas, the tools that were used mm-hmm. also um, from a, I guess, a more a surgical point of view, the specific tools that were used for the protocol. So putting all that together was a challenge, but as you highlighted before, it will hopefully also allow other people to reproduce what's been done in a, in a more thorough way. The lack of reproducible assays to measure um, what I mentioned before, ability of compounds to um, affect proliferation of beta cells is a clear gap mm. in the field. Would you recommend writing protocol articles to other scientists? Yes, there is absolutely no perfect formula, I think. Papers have their place in terms of um, ability to disseminate information and discoveries throughout the scientific community. But protocol articles, for me, at the level of extra granularity, being really critical in the scientific method mm. in order to push the science and, and identify novel therapeutic um, opportunity for human disease. So combination of, I guess, the more traditional paper and protocol paper for me is really what the field should aim at, you know, to perform science in a way that is therapeutically relevant. Mm. That's a really good point. So we're obviously recording this on site at the uh, SLAS annual conference in San Diego, and there's been a huge exhibition which just finished yesterday. Are there any highlights that you would like to draw out from the conference? I've really enjoyed these last three days been phenomenal um, in terms of the type of science that was on display. Two things that also relate, I guess, to the to the protocol paper that we've just been talking about, that like um, the really there were really highlights for me was the focus on uh, relevance of disease models. Um, we talked about um, these also for the protocol paper, and the focus on multiparametric endpoints, which is also a key feature of this um, of this report. The ability not to focus on just one endpoint and not to focus on 
immortalized cell models, but uh, more on um, therapeutically relevant uh, uh, models, I think it's really going to drive the discovery of new therapeutic opportunities. Great. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed the conference. It's been been really good fun actually seeing everyone in person again and um, really getting to see all of those interesting advances. So well, thank you for your insights, Davide. It's been great to have you on the podcast again and hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, everyone.